Hello, friends. Welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain. Good to have you with me again on our podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming life's everyday challenges. So, so happy to have you with me again this week. This is episode 191, 191 of our podcast. Hopefully, you can browse back, check out. We've covered a lot of unique and wonderful topics over the few years we've been doing this together. So glad to have you with me. Check out LanceBain.com. Matter of fact, today's podcast, Connecting Through Confrontation, comes directly from the website. Check out LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. There you'll find many resources. You can email me. You can learn more about me from there. As always, would love for you to share this, leave a rating, leave a review wherever you may be listening. You know, two podcasts to go, 189, I did a podcast called Learning uh, to Navigate Conflict. And then last podcast, 190, we talked about why have a cultural glossary. And I'm found those two podcasts to be so helpful and so impactful, and I want to stay within that same theme this week in this podcast, and I want to talk about connecting through confrontation, connecting through confrontation. So much of leadership is relationship. John Maxwell says, leadership is influence, and influence implied within that is trust, competency, charisma, uh, dependability, follow-through, character, integrity, wisdom, hope, experience, vision, uh, how to process failure into a way that serves as an advantage to you and to those around you. And confrontation inevitably shows up in every leadership environment. How, then, do we utilize confrontation to actually strengthen connection? How do we use confrontation? How can we leverage it to strengthen connection not break our connection. Let's talk about that today. What I'm going to share with you today comes from, as I said earlier in the intro, from LanceBain.com, L-A-N-C-E-B-A-N-E.com. You go to the homepage there, you'll see a link named Resources. Click that. You can scroll down through that doc, through that page. There's many resources there. And you're going to come to a resource called Confrontation That Connects Hearts. When you click that link, it will open up and talk to you about confrontation, some things I've written. And there will be two documents there that you can download. And one sort of serves as, I've got it here in front of me, one of them serves as a, a guide, a talking point, things to think about, things to process when you're wanting to have a confrontational conversation and you want to, you want to build connection. There may be correction, there may be a discipline, there may be misunderstanding, whatever whatever's the nature of the confrontation, the goal would be that we can actually protect connection and strengthen connection, or another way to say it is we can protect trust and strengthen trust in the very soil of confrontation. <laughs> Friends, it's possible. It's not easy, and you have to do it intentionally, and you need to think through. I've been, th- I've been a leader for almost 30 years, and I've seen intense emotion, confusion, fear, anxiety, uh, misunderstanding, uh, a violation of values, a lack of self-awareness, hijack so many conversations 
that the conversations don't actually land at the destination you want them to land. They get hijacked because of the intensity of all of these other factors. What this document will do for you, Confrontation That Connects Hearts, these two documents will do for you, is they help you in a time process the emotion, discover what is important to you, and then the the second document is actually a step-by-step. There's 13 steps. That may seem like a lot, but you need that kind of uh, thorough effort. It'll help you with some questions to ask before and after a conversation so that you can gain clarity, identify the emotions, and communicate needs that actually connect hearts. Danny Silk from LovingOnPurpose.com, the author of Culture of Honor, the author of um, Keep Your Love On, the uh, author of Purpose... Uh, purpose-driven parenting. I can't remember the name of the book, but you can find them all at lovingonpurpose.com. He talks about the nature of confrontation is to protect connection, and he talks about the need for connection and communication and understanding. It's the need to do this work intentionally so that you can maintain connection. I want you to imagine with me how much momentum, how much creativity, How much innovation? How much does it cost your organization in financial capital, emotional capital, time capital, human capital? How much does it cost your organization when confrontation causes things to go awry? How much capital could you save if you taught people how to do confrontation in a way that breeds and supports trust and its growth, breeds and supports connection and its growth. I want to talk to you today about connecting through confrontation. This, I want to ask you a question. It's one of the first things I have in my notes here. This is such a good question because it's a paradigm-altering question, friends. We need to view relationships whatever level, whatever circle of influence, they're in your inner core, maybe they're on an outer ring of your nature of your relationships, whatever they may be, there is a relationship, formal relationship, professional relationship, maybe it's something much more intimate, like a spousal relationship, a parent relationship, a sibling relationship, maybe something like that. We need to view relationships as what's missing, not what's wrong. Clearly, something can be what's wrong. And many times, what's wrong is not the problem. Something's missing that is producing the what's wrong behavior. And not identifying what's missing is the real problem. So we keep treating symptoms of what's wrong without actually going to the root of what's missing. I talk to uh, friends many times, many of my friends, that have a struggle managing stress. They have a, a struggle managing anxiety, as we all do. And because we don't identify what's missing, we self-medicate our anxiety, our struggles, our stress, our pressures. We self-medicate them, and the self-medicating behavior is what's wrong. And we keep treating the what's wrong behavior, and we haven't actually thought about what's missing. This is a paradigm-shifting statement, and it may be something that you just need to pause right now, this podcast, and go think about this. 
you're having conflict in your marriage, you're having conflict with a coworker, you're having conflict with one of your child children, maybe they're not doing the homework, their grades are below what you want them to be, they're struggling with a neighborhood friend. We need to view relationships through this. What is missing, not what is wrong. And when we are evaluating these relationships, thinking about these relationships, and for my faith-based friends, you are actually praying about these relationships, here's two questions that you should ask yourself. Number one, what does this relationship need in order to be healthier, to be happier, to be stronger, etc.? What does this relationship need to be, you fill in the blank, something positive? The answer to this question can help identify what is missing and or what needs to be cultivated in the relationship. The second question, when evaluating, praying, and thinking about your relationships, ask yourself this question. What toxic presence is in my relationship that is causing damage, pain, confusion, or misunderstanding? The answer to this question will clarify what needs to be pruned or replaced with what's missing. It can help identify places where forgiveness is needed, repentance is needed, a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of behavior is needed. And when you identify what does this relationship need in order to fill in the blank positive and what toxic presence is in my relationship that is causing the fill in the blank negative reality, you may actually be the one who's not contributing what is needing or you may be the one who is contributing the toxic what is not needed. So this isn't about just looking outside of yourselves and sort of pointing the finger at everyone else about, well, if they would just do this or they would just stop doing that or stop saying that or if they, would, if, they could, if they could provide this, then things would get better. No, friends, I want you to encourage you when, when, when we talk about connecting through confrontation that you can only manage you. And that's the beauty of this document is it's about how do I manage me when I'm working through these things. When we don't have trust in our relationships, when we don't have strength and connection, we waste time and energy. When we start managing behaviors and interactions, for example, we dread being together, we won't take risks in front of others, we live and lead within a relational silo, our key relationships have low morale and joy, and we experience this absence of joy and delight in one another. Connecting through confrontation, friends, is possible. It is so possible, and I want that for you. So what we want is trust, and I just sort of came up with this definition of trust. Trust is confidence that the intentions of all parties in the relationship are good and that there is no reason to be protective or careful around the relationship. Relationally, we must get comfortable being vulnerable with one another, listening to one another, and helping meet one another's needs. And there are two types of trust. When we're dealing with connecting through confrontation, there's two types of trust. The first one is practical. This kind of trust is earned by a steadfast friend, person, family member. It is earned when a person follows through on a commitment that they said they're going to do. And listen, friends, it's the little foxes that destroy the vineyard. It's when we say, I'll empty the dishwasher before dinner so it can be loaded after dinner, and it's not done. 
And when that's not done consistently, that little fox starts to eat at the practical trust vineyard. When you say you're going to turn in your work on a certain time or you'll have something done by a certain time or you'll make sure you'll take care of something by a certain time and it's not done. I'm telling you, friends, from 30 years of marriage and 30 years of leadership, these little foxes can erode at practical trust. The other type of trust is emotional trust. Emotional trust is a feeling that people are on your side. It's a relationship that avoids negative and destructive judgments, a relationship where I am treated kindly and my vulnerability is not used against me. If anything, we applaud vulnerability and we X out those that refuse to be vulnerable. I'm not talking about canceling. I'm just saying, hey, not being vulnerable in our culture, that doesn't work. We value vulnerability, we protect vulnerability, we honor vulnerability, we celebrate vulnerability. Brene Brown and her massive work on the subject of vulnerability says you can't have trust without vulnerability. It's simply not possible. So two podcasts ago when we talked about learning uh, to navigate conflict, I gave you a definition of confrontation as given to us by Danny Silk. It had four components. It is a respectful conversation between two or more powerful people that addresses a specific issue, not a history of issues. We solve one by one for the purpose of understanding, adjusting, and meeting needs, resulting in a stronger relationship. So there are things to consider when we are having a trust-building conversation. This is the document that that when you read through this, it's going to cause you to think about how am I building practical trust? Where have I uh, not built practical trust? I've actually damaged it by not following through. How am I doing at earning the emotional trust of others? Am I avoiding negative judgments? Am I avoiding destructive judgments? Even if they're not named or verbalized, are they in my heart? Are they in my mind? How do I default from negative and destructive judgment? How do I default into a culture of honor, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, believing the best about them, even if all my feelers and thinkers are telling me, danger, Will Robinson, danger? Am I a person that treats others kindly? And do I role model vulnerability? Do I protect their vulnerability? Am I a person of empathy and compassion as well as wisdom and collaboration and connection? So things to consider when we are having a trust-building conversation is examine how your past experiences may be adding to or triggering a feeling of being mistrusted, of feeling devalued and overlooked and judged or punished. And if the answer to that is, yes, I am being triggered, then you are responsible to do something about that trigger. Another thing to consider when having a trust-building conversation is actually schedule a time to talk. Schedule a time to have a conversation. When you are scheduling the time, state that you want to have a heart-to-heart conversation that fosters trust and empowerment. Sometimes when you want to have these conversations, that, that, that reality, I want to have a conversation with you, can sometimes serve as a trigger for another. So now their anxiety goes up. Their amygdala kicks into high gear, fight, flight, or freeze. Identify the decision or issue that needs to be resolved. Get all of the information that you need. First-hand information, not second-hand information, not I think information, not, well, it could be information. 
avoid assumptions and speculations at all costs, friends, because that is damaging to building trust. Even if you're right, name the speculation, name the assumption, and let people validate it for you or correct it for you. Be humble enough not to defend, not to deflect, not to accuse, or not to blame. Fifthly, listen to understand, ask clarifying questions, practice reflective and active listening. Do not listen to reply or to defend or to justify. And a wonderful statement that you can use when you are listening to understand is, help me understand when you said this. Tell me more about that. State clearly what you need. Don't make others read your mind. And when you are meeting, say... And this is a wonderful little um, template statement that you can fill in the blanks. I feel blank, and I want to feel blank, so what I need is blank. Today, even in doing this podcast, I've had a very anxious day. A lot of things sort of coming at me that are triggering feelings of anxiety. So if I were to practice this today, I would say, well, I feel anxious, and what I want to feel is confident, so what I need is honest conversation. That's just an example of how you can do that. Practice forgiveness and pursue reconciliation and practice this conversation in your own mind a few times before you actually meet with another person and role play the different scenarios of what may happen so that you can discover a win-win outcome. (laughs) Go in prepared for the worst while believing for the best so that you can manage yourself in the healthiest way possible. If you're a person of faith, I encourage you to pray for everyone involved to be free of judgment and prejudice and for God to reconcile and build. And lastly, do not, I emphasize, do not email, text, or social media message when trying to resolve conflict, restore safety, and rebuild trust. Do not do it, friends. You got to avoid, <laughs> you got to avoid them reading it on a screen. If they can't hear it in your voice, or see it in your face, avoid it. Do not, do not try to solve this through them reading something on a screen. Now, I've gotten through just over half of this document here on connecting through confrontation. And if you go to landspain.com and click resources and scroll down the page, you will find a link that says confrontation that connects hearts worksheet. Friends, as a leader, you're going to have to learn how to deal with confrontation in a way that creates a win for you, a win for others, and a win for your organization, your ministry, your church. Too many times, offense, bitterness, resentment, rejection, fear, these things hijack an organization, and it costs us creativity, it costs us momentum, it costs us friendships. It costs us financial capital and emotional capital. Well, I just want to encourage you to dream about what would it be to kind of to have the kind of culture, the kind of organization, the kind of ministry, the kind of home group that actually learned how to do confrontation in a way that when we're done, we're actually going to love each other more. We're actually going to trust each other more because we've learned how to do connection through confrontation. That was a lot today, and I got to say, I love that stuff. Maybe it's just my heart is wired for that. I've been hurt in the past too many times, and I just don't want it to happen anymore. I want to protect my friendships. I want to protect those that I love. I want to protect those that I lead, and I want to protect our connection because what we're leading and what we're believing for is worth it. It's worth it, friends. It's worth this effort. So thanks for listening. 
episode 191. I'm so glad that you are with me again this week. Hey, check this out. Check out LanceBain.com. Share, share this with a friend. Begin to apply this stuff. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review wherever you may be listening. Friends, stay healthy. Hey, friends, stay hopeful. And I'll talk to you again in our next podcast. Bye.